Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning. They do a great job. They'll do a great job for you. Just visit the website, airconditioning.com. And also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. It's lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us. Boo Mortensen, we'll find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast, always a lighter side of the show. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And my wife, Linda, the author of Greetings from Paradise, you'll find her columns on my website under uh, Greetings from Paradise. You can pull them down. Anyhow, she'll be joining us, and uh, she always has a lot on her mind as well. It is April the 6th, and on this day in 1917, two days after the U.S. Senate voted 82 82 to 6 to declare war against Germany, the U.S. House of Representatives endorsed the declaration by a vote of 373 to 50, and America formally entered World War I. When World War I first erupted in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson pledged neutrality for the United States, a position that the vast majority of Americans favored. Britain, however, was one of America's closest trading partners, and tensions soon grew uh, between the United States and Germany over the latter's attempt to quarantine of the British Isles. Several U.S. ships traveling to Britain were damaged or sunk by German mines, and in February 1915, Germany announced unrestricted warfare against all ships, neutral or otherwise, that entered the war zone around Britain. One month later, Germany announced that a German cruiser had sunk the uh, W.P. Fry, a private American vessel. President Wilson was outraged, but the German government apologized and called the attack an unfortunate mistake. On May the 7th, the British-owned Lusitania ocean liner was torpedoed without warning just off the coast of Ireland. Of the 1,959 passengers, 1,198 were killed, including 128 Americans. The German government maintained that the Lusitania was carrying munitions, but the U.S. demanded reparations and at the end German attacks on unarmed passengers and merchant ships. In August, Germany pledged to see it to the safety of passengers before sinking unarmed vessels, but in November sunk an Italian liner with, without warning, killing 272 folks, including 27 Americans. With these attacks, public opinion in the United States began to turn irrevocably against Germany. In 1917, Germany did, uh, determined to win its war of attrition against the Allies, announced the resumption of unrestricted warfare in war, war zone waters. Three days later, the United States broke diplomatic relations with Germany, and just hours after that, the American liner Housatonic was sunk by the German uh, U-boat. On February 22nd, Congress passed a $250 million arms appropriations bill intended to make the United States ready for war. In late March, Germany sunk four more U.S. merchant ships, and on April the 2nd, President Wilson be appeared before Congress and called for a declaration of war against Germany. Four days later, his request was granted. June 26th, the first 14,000 U.S. infantry troops landed in France to begin training for combat. After four years of bloody stalemate along the Western Front, the entrance of America's well-supplied forces into the conflict marked a major turning point in the war and helped the Allies to victory. When the war finally ended on November the 11th, 1918, more than 2 million American soldiers had served on the battlefields, 2 million in Western Europe, and some 50,000 of them made the ultimate sacrifice and lost their lives. The story, the beginning of the U.S. entrance into World War I. While U.S. 60 Minutes was trying to do a hit job on our governor, was found to have deceptively edited an interaction between Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and a reporter to make it look like he'd shown preferential treatment to Publix, a supermarket chain, for vaccine distribution contracts after they had donated to his PAC. In other words, make it pay for play. That's what they're trying to demonstrate. Didn't do it. Uh, DeSantis called their interpretation of events a fake narrative. The segment reported that Publix had made donations to DeSantis' PAC 
and that the governor selected the chain for COVID-19 vaccine distribution. In the 60-minute segment, reporter Sharon Alfonsi can be seen at the press conference where she questioned DeSantis, but instead of them showing all the governor's answer to her question, the meat of what he said was edited out. In the full clip, DeSantis states that the reason for public supermarket chain was prioritized to give vaccines was because two pharmacies, CVS and Walgreens, were still competing, completing their mission of vaccinating those in long-term care homes. DeSantis said that when he met with leaders from local, uh, local leaders in Palm Beach, they preferred the option of using Publix over more municipal-based options. The majority of seniors live less than two miles from a Publix, and the program had been a success. In the edited version, DeSantis looked like he's evading the question and berating the reporter because nearly the entirety of what he said had been removed from the clip. The show reported that campaign finance reports obtained by 60 Minutes show that weeks before Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced the partnership with Publix Grocery Store to distribute the vaccine in his pharmacies, Publix donated $100,000 to his PAC. The campaign finance reports were publicly available. Emily Brooks from the Washington Examiner noted that she found it online in less than two minutes. Some <clears throat> investigative reporting, huh? The 60 Minutes program went on to highlight reports of vaccine, vaccine favoritism and interviewed a Democrat state representative who claimed that there's no publics with an accessible distance for his constituents to effectively receive the vaccine. However, he fails to discuss that Publix is a massive grocery chain with over 100 locations as well as the other options available for his constituents to receive the coronavirus. The 60 Minutes piece only works if you're not aware that Publix is a massive institution in Florida with over 100 or over 800 locations. Corrupt corporate media relies on blue and on ignorance to sell their product. You have a lot of folks who don't have cars, said the state representative Omar Hardy from Fifth 60 Minutes, referring to his constituents in Belle Glade. Palm Beach County, where there is no public in the community. However, CVS is located right there. Point is, this is just such a hit job on the governor. It looks like uh, right now the Democrats are going to do a big hit job on Governor DeSantis in any way they can. And uh, Public said actually made a statement. They said uh, the irresponsible suggestion that there was a connection between campaign contributions made to Governor DeSantis. And our willingness to join other pharmacies to support the state's vaccine distribution effort is absolutely false. We're proud of our pharmacy associates for administering more than 1.5 million doses. Uh, Jared Markowitz, director of the Florida Department of Emergency Management, also had harsh words for 60 Minutes, saying that other pharmacies were not ready to begin their rollout of vaccines. Even Palm Beach County Democrat Mayor Dave Kerner said, I watched the 60-minute segment on Palm Beach County last night and feel compelled to issue this statement. The report was not just based on bad information. It was intentionally false. Remember when 60 Minutes, you relied on it to, you know, you knew there was going to be a hit job of some sort, but you knew you could rely on the information because the reporting was so pristine and so good. Not anymore. It's now a false narrative on our governor. And uh, he should, I guess, in one way, he should feel proud that right now the Democrats are saying he's the guy that we have to take down because he's probably the favorite for being a presidential candidate going forward. Well, informed consent isn't possible where the opinions of renowned experts are being censored by those who control the voices we get to hear. Way back in July of 2020, thousands of doctors and scientists were desperately trying to get the word out that Anthony Fauci's program of economic ruin and crippling social isolation had no scientific justification whatsoever. Let me repeat that. Thousands of science were, scientists were saying this. No scientific justification yet so whatsoever. Yet to this day, the media and the tech giants have managed to keep most of the public in the dark about the existence of any dissenting opinions on the wisdom of the historically unprecedented public health strategy that rained down more misery and death on American people than our worst foreign foes could have imagined, coincidentally, but has turned out to be a financial windfall for tech giants and multinational corporations like Facebook and Amazon. And speaking of foreign enemies, only a tiny percentage of Americans know that the whole idea of locking down in response to a respiratory virus has never been so much as suggested in all of history 
until Chinese Communist Party rulers started pushing it on the rest of the world in 2020. Well, of course, now this is, it looks like it's about to pass, but uh, the point now is that they're pushing the, uh, the uh, vaccines and cutting off information, dissenting information about the vaccines as well. Uh, but uh, there's a, it's, it's, you've probably never heard of this document eviscerating the madness of the lockdowns, over 55,000 scientists in the Great Barrington Declaration. I'm, I'm just trying to move down here to, to the Kaldorf. Uh, uh, this world-renowned expert, Kaldorf, is also a member of the COVID-19 vaccine safety subgroup that advises the CDC and FDA, and after you give it an idea of just how far those who control the flow of information are willing to go to make sure you don't hear anything they don't like, the censors at Twitter have had the tem- temerity to actually label a post in which he recommended vaccination for high-risk people, but against the wisdom of ho- healthy people, taking one as misleading. Uh, the, the point of here is that uh, this is what I'm trying to make, because I'm not going to have trouble to or time to finish what the, the suggestions are here. But uh, the fact of the matter is, it's not a matter whether you should take the vaccine or not. You're just not getting all the information. Former Pfizer VP Dr. Mike Yadin also signed on to the Great Barrington De- Declaration. As Pfizer's chief scientist officer, uh, Yadin was also in charge of all the firm's research and development. Towards the end of the last year, uh, Twitter started censoring him because he said he didn't think uh, the vaccines were uh, necessarily good for everybody. What we want is just all the information. Why is the media standing in the way of us getting good information? Yeah, this all let this let this all sink in. Uh, it's uh, it's just uh, despicable that 60 Minutes was had, doing a hit job on our governor, and now we find out that all the information about the vaccines and the lockdowns. Uh, was prevented from being distributed. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state's senator. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding.
back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. Right now we have with us our state senator and chairman of the Rules Committee, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So one of the things we noted in the news was the, it sounded like a potential catastrophe with this uh, the Apparently, the dike has a leak, uh, the wall with this contaminated water. I think this is up near Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, Manatee, Manatee County, uh, south of Tampa. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a real problem. Has It's a uh, uh, phosphate, uh, it was a phosphate plant, fertilizer plant, and it's uh, closed down now. But the uh, the problem is, it's surrounded by a wall. The wall is in imminent uh, danger of breaching. It's leaking, and it uh, it could cause. I mean, they've had to evacuate people in the area. Yeah. So yesterday, the the president of the Senate, Senator, Senator Simpson, uh, along with Senator Jim Boyd, who represents that area, uh, looked in the budget. We haven't passed it yet, so they were basically going to allocate two hundred million dollars to uh, clean it up. Hmm. You know, this, it's the responsibility of the company that owns it, but, and we'll probably have the Attorney General look into that, but we can't wait. We have to do something, so we're going to uh, put money in it to uh, start a cleanup, a containment, well, and uh, with the water. Well, how about the uh, Army Corps of Engineers? Do they have a role in this, or would they be uh, helping? Not, well... Uh, not really, because this was a private facility, ah. um, not owned by the state or the federal government. And uh, uh, the funds that we'll probably allocate would be from the stimulus dollars that we receive from the federal government, because $200 million is a huge chunk yeah. uh, in our budget. Yeah. But we can't let it go. Uh, and apparently, and I was not aware of it, uh, it has been problematic for years. And uh, the local government has basically uh, turned their back on it, and so the state will need to step in. Yeah. Well, what an unfortunate circumstance and situation that, yes. uh, to find ourselves in. So, uh, well, it, you mentioned $200 million. I'm sure that uh, is, is, is can, can we fix the problem? What's going <laughs> to – can we you solidify the wall or what's – I, I think there's. We have to find a better way to store store the dirty water. Mm. Uh, there's um, discussions about creating a, a deep well to inject it. Um, and, you know that could contain it. Um, you know we can't. I don't think, and I'm not obviously I'm not a scientist, yeah. but I don't believe it can be cleaned. Yeah. I think it just needs to be uh, contained, and and it's. It's a huge problem in a, in a very populated area. Yeah, I understand it's got radioactive materials and right. lots of things that would be very, very destructive. So, yeah. well, no, that's Absolutely. A... So, you know, it's, it's very serious. Uh, as soon as we heard about it, uh, the president acted. The, the House is doing some hearings on it. Um, and, you know, the whole, the whole concept of what do companies, what are the responsibilities of companies with regard to their... They're hazardous. It's not really hazardous waste, but it's wastewater. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? We need to compel because, you, you know, if they're not going to do it, we have to do it, but we need to find a way to charge them back and see if we can recover yeah. some of that money. Is the company still in business? Uh, I don't know. I don't think they're, they're not operating the plant for that, and I don't know if it's whether the whole the company that owns the property, um, what their assets are. Wow, how interesting is that? Well, I'm sure we'll find out over time. Yeah, absolutely. So interesting. Well, thank you for that. Uh, any other good scoop uh, on legislation? <laughs> well, you know, we um, we have four weeks to go after this week. And so, um, there, you know, legislation's already starting to die because um, the subcommittees, other than the budget committees, have stopped meeting. Uh, this is, the, and the uh, sub-budget committees are, this is their final week to polish their budget up. And then next week we are going to, uh, both the House and the Senate will meet in our respective cha chambers and pass our budgets. 
we're about two billion dollars apart. Um, not not it, some of the areas uh, more than ours. Higher education, we're pretty far apart. On the uh, K through twelve, we're pretty close. Um, the governor is weighing into you know he wants to spend some of the stimulus, stimulus dollars and giving bonuses out to teachers and first responders and the like. Uh, so we're part of the budget process will be to determine how to spend those dollars. And, and obviously we can't uh, spend them on recurring projects because then, you know, once the money's out, it's gone. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, it sounds to me like you're kind of winding down on new legislation. Uh, if new, if legislation is going to reach the floor, it's already been, you know, gone through committees. So this is all about cleaning Pretty up. Much. Yeah. So this is all fo- well, focusing on the budget then at the, at the last few weeks? Yes, and, and uh, at least for next week and probably the week after. But my committee, the Rules Committee, will continue to meet through week eight because the you know as you as you mentioned the bills that have gone through the the process uh, they end up either in appropriations or in rules. Well, if it's got an appropriation, they're sorting all that out this week and next week. But if it's a policy issues, um, I'll be continuing to meet. I make I have. I probably have 150 to 200 bills um, on on that are left to be looked at. Um, many of them I probably won't hear, so they will not pass. And for a lot of reasons, some of them are I just don't think are good policy. Mm-hmm. Um, others don't have a house companion, or their house companion hasn't had a hearing. So you have to start looking at that. You know, there's no point in wasting everybody's time if there's nothing going to happen on it in the house. Yeah, sounds so like a big kind of sound like a big job, yeah. Kathleen. So. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: I've never worked so hard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just genuinely appreciate that you're taking time for us uh, sure. to uh, share with us what's what's happening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well, Kathleen. Thank you as well. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. 
Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. And I have to say, Bob, that um, our little town, uh, Naples, is now turning into the Cannabis Corridor. <laughs> Benita Beach Road is now called Benita Buzz Road. Yeah, what's going on with that? I mean, you know, like right now we don't have legalized marijuana in Florida, the best that, I can, that I'm aware of. Uh, and, of course... Yeah, but you can have um, uh, medical marijuana. Right. And I tried medical marijuana. Have you tried it? Do you have your card? Oh, sure. I have my license, Bob. You, yeah, I had my license, too, but... You know, I didn't want to get a buzz or anything like that. I just wanted to try to make my back feel better. And I couldn't find anything that would help me. So uh, I ended up just giving it up and uh, letting it go. Uh, what kind of experience are you having? Well, I think if you get uh, gummies, you know, like something that's not really strong, yeah. I think it works. Maybe you just didn't take enough. I never got the gummies. Yeah. Um, I think the gummies are pretty good. Yeah. But you know what? Do you know what, because New York and uh, New Mexico, last Wednesday, just legalized marijuana. Uh-huh. Do you know that one in three Americans live in states where marijuana is fully legal? One, one? in three Americans. So th- that would include what, probably New York, California, um, Colorado, I know uh, it's legalized. I'm sure there's a lot of states that I'm not aware of, but uh, one in three. So It has to be one in three. So it's a... Uh, what is it, a, a 70 or $60 billion business? Yeah. And they did a poll in uh, about Florida. They found that 59% of the residents back recreational legalization. Yeah. So what's interesting is uh, I, th- I believe the reason why you mentioned Bonita Beach Road is that I don't think it's uh, legalized. These dispensaries are not legalized in Collier County, but they are in Lee Correct. County. So Yes. So people can run up to Lee County and get there. It's just so amusing to me. It's unbelievable. Well, there's a, a there's there are more stores on Benita Beach Road in in that area than um, than I ever thought. I mean, it's really kind of surprising. Well, here's the thing too, and it's it's apparently uh, it's a cash business. In other words. You're not allowed yeah. to use your credit card, so you and it stuff's not cheap. So you gotta uh, take bring along a lot of cash. So they have guards at the door and all kinds of things. Kind of. Well, they also have conveniently uh, placed ATM machines. Oh, they do in there. Okay. Oh, sure. <laughs> they don't want to separate you and your money and you and your marijuana. That's so ex- they make it seamless. Well, I'm, uh, I, you know, I had my own purposes for trying to get medical marijuana, and uh, it, it just didn't work for me, so I, I, I moved on. But I'm sure some people, of course, uh, just want to use marijuana and have it getting this. I think it's just to bypass the federal law. I think our state legislature said we don't want to uh, defy the federal law, so we're going to pass this medical marijuana thing so people can use it if they want to, and they get... Have you, you know, when you go to get your go, you go to this doctor who talks to you for about fifteen seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's such phony baloney stuff. It's unbelievable. Well, it is, and so you give him two hundred bucks for a office visit, right? Then you give the state two hundred dollars yep. for your license, yep. and the license is only good for one year. Exactly. So here's the thing. I mean, to me, it, uh, I I really don't like this at all because it's a regressive tax. Some people that smoke uh, and want to use marijuana uh, don't make a lot of money, and uh, the constant it's just a very expensive process to go through this. They should just legalize marijuana and be done with it. Well, I, I think they will. Mm-hmm. I think that this is just the first step, and I would imagine within the next couple of years, don't you think that they will? So many states have already legalized it. Yeah, I think they probably will. I mean, it might even happen on a federal basis uh, under this administration. We'll see. So, um, you know, I'd, yeah. be inter- I'd be interested in your thoughts. Uh, right now, uh, it looks like the uh, All-Star game is not going to be played in Atlanta. Why? Because they passed this legislative uh, this legislation for voting, which uh, apparently our president thinks it's back to Jim Crow. <laughs> he hasn't even read the law, for crying out loud. And uh, so now they're going to have the All-Star game in uh, Colorado. What are your thoughts about all this? I think it's ridiculous. I think it is so, 
such an overstatement, such a knee-jerk reaction to all of this. They're taking $100 million out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for why? And the hypocrisy of it, because in 2022, next year, we will have the Winter Olympics in where? Beijing. Beijing. Now, uh, so they worry about polling places or an absentee ballot. Guess what? In China, there are, are no absentee ballots. That's right. There are no polling stations. That's right. I mean, uh, there's nothing because it's communist. So how can he do this in his own country? And I, now I don't mean pulling out because you penalize the athletes. You know, I bet I'm not worried about. But just the hypocrisy of doing this is just bizarre. It just blows my mind. I know, and just to add right on top of this, apparently Major League Baseball signed a contract with, I think it was called Tencent, is the name of the company. It's associated with the Chinese Communist Party. And so now Major League Baseball, the day before they made this proclamation to move the All-Star Game, signed a contract with the Chinese Communist Party to uh, do business over there. Can you believe that? No. Doesn't doesn't anybody see the the inconsistency in this? Well, I think this is a uh, part of the plan. The Democrats, uh, do you get the sense that our president is really looking out after our best interests? No. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. I don't think he cares about what I think or what you think or anybody else thinks. They're just uh, basically fulfilling their obligations to the uh, you know, to those that put out the money to elect them. So they're just going yeah. down through this checklist, quite frankly. And uh, the, the, this uh, bill that they're trying to pass, H.R. 1, wants to federalize the election process, including mail-in ballots and the whole thing. They're trying to push this whole agenda. And, uh, of course, what uh, Georgia did, and by the way, it's pretty darn good law. What Georgia did is uh, to uh, try and make the election process more legitimate. And, you know, no good deed goes unpunished, boo. No. No. Between, you know, it's discouraging between that and then all this, this, it's not, you can't even call it yellow journalism on TV. I don't know what the word is, but the stuff that you see on TV, like that 60-minute show. Yeah. And so much of this other reporting, where's the outrage on the other side? Why? I mean, come on now. I think that there's got to, there's so much, it's so egregious. And people aren't, or are they? Maybe I'm missing this. No. I mean, are Republicans, are conservatives standing up? Or is it just not being covered? Well, it's the mainstream media, and it, uh, you know, uh, it's so unfortunate. When earlier in the show, I reported that uh, there's many doctors, thousands and thousands of doctors who were against lockdowns, thousands and thousands of doctors who had real concerns about vaccines. Did you, did you ever hear any of this news or did, you know, and, and the point, no. the point no. of this is, it, is that if you're going to stick something in your body, you should hear both sides of the argument. You should make an informed decision. But basically yeah. the mainstream media, just like in 60 Minutes, and, you know, they basically have a narrative and they're shutting down all other information that doesn't comply with their point of view. Yeah, what's that called? That's it, called communism. Well, it's not. It's not. You're right. I mean, it's not. It's not journalism at all. It's uh, no. It's they're just part of the whole process right now of pushing this socialist communist agenda down our throats, and it's you know, quite frankly, it's just very unfortunate, Boo. Well, and you know what? It's scary because it seems to me, and what do I know? You know, I'm just you know a, a person like everybody else. You watch, turn on TV. You read the news, you try to find balanced stuff. But it seems to me that they're gaining traction. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Uh, there's some positive signs out there, but my goodness, right now, if they, if they uh, overturn this. They're far between. Yeah, you know, they are. And if this H.R. 1 passes or this stimulus bill, it's, uh, it's just very scary right now. We're in some scary times, boo. No question about it. I think so. Yeah. That's why aren't we lucky to be down here, close oh, I... to marijuana. <laughs> close. You know what? We can just spend our senior years just getting stoned and drinking margaritas <laughs> and toasting the sunset. That is sounding like a good agenda. Well, well, I tell you what, that falls right in line, I think, with the socialist plants. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I'm stoned and out of the way. <laughs> Boo, I just appreciate your commentary here in the show so much. Thanks for joining us. 
<laughs> My pleasure. Okay. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I hope you'll look into Choice Social. It's a new and refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with my wife, Linda. She has a lot to say about what's happening nationally and what's happening locally as well. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Seton, tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And hey, maybe it worked. The infrastructure is only two trillion, not three or five. <laughs> no, they're not done yet, though, Seton. So that's true. You know, you wrote a great column. Biden incorporated infrastructure. White House moves to reshape role of U.S. capitalism. I think that really captures the spirit of what's going on. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, and I, uh, that headline is actually a quote. For, it's actually a headline from the Hill newspaper who got it from the White House. Mm -hmm. They're, this bill, you know, they, they got away with a huge grift, of course, on the COVID bill. Because they got away with calling it a COVID bill because that's what people want to hear the federal government spending money on. Right. But it, only 9% of it actually went to COVID. 91% was on this fundamental retransformation of America money. Right. Um, now it's gotten even worse. Between 5 and 6% of the infrastructure bill goes to infrastructure. And you saw that debated a little bit. Chris Wallace swerved into journalism for a moment on Sunday, talking to a White House spokesman, and he started calling everything infrastructure. And, he, and, 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 and Wallace said, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're warping that word beyond all meaning. <laughs> it's, you know, what you're talking about isn't infrastructure. You right. can say it's important, you can say it's a vital priority, but, but it's not infrastructure. That's right. Um, and, you know, infrastructure everybody thinks of as roads and bridges. Well, most roads and bridges, 95% of the roads and bridges and thoroughfares and all the things that you think of with infrastructure in the United States are owned by either the state or local governments and or the private sector. Yep. There is no real federal role in infrastructure because there's no federal roads 
in bridges, in infrastructure. And I've been saying this for years. I-95 goes from Maine to Florida through 15 states and the District of Columbia. Mm -hmm. I've said forever, why should anyone in Kansas or Hawaii pay for it? Right. Such a great point. They're not not using it. Such a Um, great point. And, of course, they're warping the definition of infrastructure, they're trying to go to a, a per-mile gas tax. You know, you, 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 they tax you for how many miles you drive, which is totally regressive, and just, it, it's, a, it, it's, almost, it's maybe even worse than a value-added tax, where it just adds cost to everything mm-hmm. anyone does. Food, you know, anything, you know, imagine being a long-haul trucker and having to pay per mile. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, not, you're not making $800,000 a year as a long-haul trucker, and now you're paying for every mile you're, you're driving for a living. Right. Um, and they say they, 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 they try to make the user pays argument for that. Meanwhile, there is no user pays role for the federal government in infrastructure because they don't own any roads. Yeah. But yet they want to socialize the entire U.S. road system it is so- by having a national infrastructure bill? Yeah. It's, a- it, it, it's completely, of course, absurd. It is absurd um, indeed. And-, and, of course, one of the things you and I talk about all the time is the Internet. They want to spend $100 billion of government money on the Internet. Now, you know who owns, you know, you, you know when it be- comparing Internet to roads, they are they are landlord robber barons on roads compared to the internet. They own no internet. Right. It's all private sector. Right. And so what you're do what you're going to do is you're either going to, um, and th- and this is the point too with the uh, roads. If a, a pr- private companies, there are private partner private public partnerships on roads. There are private toll roads. Now imagine handing a private road owner money tax money. The, the poor drivers in that area have to pay the toll every day. Then they get taxed, and they hand more money to the owner of the road they're being told by every day anyway. Yeah. So this is just more cronyism. The lo- you know, the, there were $350 billion in the COVID bill to bail out state and local Democrat governments that have overspent for years and years. This $100 billion, that's what that is, $100 billion for infrastructure, is going to state and local governments to build government competitors to the private sector. Yeah. Um, it's stupid for another reason, because as, as huge as $100 billion is, in the Internet world, it's hardly anything. Right. The Internet pro- providers at, right now invest $50 billion a year. So mm. even at $100 billion, even if it's all utilized well, which, as we know, government doesn't do, mm-hmm. it's only two years' worth of investment right. in the Internet Yeah. So at, at a national level. So it's tiny compared to what the private sector does. It's, comp- it's, it's anti-free market in, in, in the truest sense because... You, you're setting up government competitors to private providers, which, by the way, is obnoxious on its face. It's like having the baseball uh, umpire pitch for the other team uh, when you have the regulator also competing against you. Right. You know, in, in your in your particular sport, um, and of course, it's completely wasted. There's a there's a great website by a friend of mine, the Taxpayer Protections Alliance, has a great website called. B- 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 uh, broadbandboondoggles.com, I think is what it is. And it's an interactive map of all the different places government broadband has been tried and failed. Yeah. So um, I think that know, one of the main... I have my wallet rule, uh, which explains why government does things worse inherently than the private sector. Bob, if you go out on a Friday night with your wallet... And you go out the following Friday night with my wallet. Which Friday night are you going to have more fun? Uh, well, I'm, I don't know who if I'm going to have more fun, but I know I'll probably spend more money if I'm using your You're wallet. You're spending more money <laughs> well, because you, know, you don't care what my wallet looks like at the end of the evening. Right. Well, the government's always on someone else's wallet, and the Friday night never ends. Yeah, that's exactly right. So human nature dictates they're not going to spend the money as well. And, he, and, and, so, and here's the important point, quite frankly, it's a point that you've made so many times on this show, is that we don't need the government involved in the Internet. The, the Internet is fi- working fine. Well, and the, 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 here's the thing. They're trying to connect the unconnected. Well, begin with the premise that the government only looks at hardline broadband 
and considers only that an internet connection. Mm-hmm. Well, that's absurd. You can pick up your wireless cell phone right now and stream high-definition video on your phone on the wireless connection. Right. But they don't count that as an internet connection. Huh. Yeah, That's absurd. And when we get to 5G, every nook and cranny of this country will get three or four pizza box-sized antenna and have one gig of speed per second on their phones in middle-of-nowhere America, yeah. everywhere in middle-of-nowhere America. So this is the last gas to try to get government shoehorned into the Internet business before the private sector completely leaves the government in the dust. Yeah, no question about it. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit Seaton's website, lessgovernment.org. You can also find Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, I always appreciate these very important points that you're making, you know, and, and what you've described, quite, quite frankly, I think, is just a, a small part of the entire wasteful agenda to reshape capitalism in America. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with my wife, Linda. She writes greetings from paradise, uh, but I, she has a lot on her mind. I look forward to finding out what it's all about. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. Just one of the programs is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Linda, my wife Linda, uh, author of Greetings from Paradise, but uh, she's pretty darn smart and she knows a lot about what's going on. Linda, thanks so much for for joining me here on the show. Good morning. I'm so glad Baylor won. Yeah, that's a good point. Last night was a Final Four and I was able to, I tried to stay up. I think You stayed I'm... awake for like a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah. That was it. You were gone. So I got up at, uh, I think it was 3 o'clock in the morning to look at the internet and found out that Baylor, they, they didn't just win, they they won by 16 points. They killed uh, Gonzaga. It was just an unbelievable, extraordinary performance on the part of Baylor. So so just so you know, I stayed awake almost till half. Wow. And, and the guys from Gonzaga looked like they had been stunned. They looked, you know, the guy with the beard. I can't remember. Yeah, his name. it's uh, t- Timmy or t- t- Tinny or something like that. Yeah. yeah, he was just like, "What's happening to us? What's what's happening?" And that Jalen Suggs, 
uh, number one yeah. for, for Gonzaga. He had panic in his eyes. Wow. Um, but Baylor came to play. Holy smokes. Well, here's, here's the thing, too, though, that uh, quite frankly, Gonzaga found themselves in a position they'd never been in all season. And, uh, you know, behind. The, well, right. And uh, Baylor had lost a couple of games. So they were, you know, they know what losing looks like. Uh, and uh, Gonzaga didn't. So I think they were at a disadvantage having a perfect record coming into the game. Both great teams. There's no question about it. And that uh, Jalen Suggs, he's the guy that hit that, that last second shot, three second shot uh, against. Uh, who was it? UCLA, I guess it was. Right, UCLA. No. Uh, but yeah, exactly. what a great young man he is. I mean, the whole team, they're just, I thought both teams were fantastic. Jalen Suggs, as I've mentioned to you before, yep. we share an alma mater. He went to the same high school that I went to in Minneapolis, which is... And my guess is when he was there, they had a pretty good basketball team. <laughs> well, and I used to be the cheerleader for their basketball teams, and it was just so much fun. They just had a great organization. So. Ab- absolutely. So what are your thoughts of it? We're, we're seeing Coca-Cola. We're seeing uh, uh, professional baseball. All these social reactions. Uh, businesses, who you'd think would want our business, are reacting to what's happening in Georgia and the uh, Georgia legislature and the uh, the governor. What are your thoughts? Well, let me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it, they're all based on lies. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they don't. My my message to all these companies is read the flipping bill. Yeah, because even even um, Joe bite me Biden um, said, oh well, this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen. He got four Pinocchios from. From Jeff Bezos, Washington, Washington Post. Post. Yeah, this it's it's. Uh, they're all looking like fools because they they're not even. You know, it's just like what Nancy Pelosi said. Um, I don't know how long ago it was. If you want to make up uh, lies about somebody, make it up, give it to the media, and let them run with it. And that's exactly what they're doing. Only all these companies are looking like absolute fools because they didn't even bother to read the bill. Well, the president has come out and suggest not the president, President Trump. I still think about him as our president. Well, he is. Yes, but uh, I just, he came out and said, basically, we got to stop doing business with these companies. I mean, they have to learn their lesson. There's uh, 75 million of us, as he pointed out. And if we all make a declaration personally to, for example, not uh, watch professional baseball, to uh, not do business with these companies, you know they're going to pay have a consequence. They'll pay a f- financial. For example, Major League Baseball and and uh, and uh, basketball, they've already paid a price, quite frankly, and they're they're going to continue to pay a price. Well, who was it that that said? I can't remember who said it. Oh, uh, Marco Rubio said today that or yesterday that the guy who's head of the Major League Baseball, uh-huh. um, he should resign as a member of uh, where the Masters tournaments played. Because he's a member of that that country club, um, the the hypocrisy that's going on is just amazing. Which brings me uh, to Ron DeSantis and yeah. the CBS. I, I, the reason I wanted to talk about Baylor and, and Gonzaga last night because guess what network it was on? CBS. CBS uh, has become so um, left leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, they even were doing left leaning commercials for that basketball game last night. Mm-hmm. And what they did on 60 minutes to Ron DeSantis was despicable. Mm-hmm. It was just blatant hit job. And you know, what's, what's happening to Ron DeSantis as a result? He's getting more popular. Yeah. And he's, his popularity is exploding yeah. because he's not afraid to come out and say, wait just a second. That's not what I said. Yeah, even the Democrat mayor from uh, Palm beach, County came out and said that's that story is totally off base. He said he said it's it's not only uninformed. He said it is a lie. Well, and 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 so CBS they're trying to do a hit job because because Ron DeSantis is so popular and doing such a great job. Meanwhile, their coverage of their own where CBS is based in New York won't even cover Andrew Cuomo and the count of nine harassment charges yeah. that are against him. Yeah, they won't cover any of that. Nor will they cover anything about um, Gavin Newsom in California. Yeah, well, it's worth saying again, but uh, you know, it's so disappointing to me. I remember watching, looking forward to sixty minutes because I knew it was going to be a hit job on somebody who was crooked and they wasn't doing things right. But you could count on—I I always felt like you could count on the information being correct. Now 
They're lying. They're trying to blatantly, and and uh, it's so disappointing to see that even sixty minutes is now on on on. It'd be one thing if they if it had been some you know media outlet uh, about DeSantis, but it wasn't. It wasn't just some. It was sixty minutes for crying out loud. That's ridiculous. Well, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm giving. I'm throwing a bone to Fox and Friends because they're doing better about about. Um, being fair and balanced, mm. which they weren't for a while, but they're having Ron DeSantis on at um, eight o'clock. So I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he has to say further because you know he has such a good attitude. Yep. He's just he's just willing to take it and just shove it right back in their faces. I just love it. Hey, I tell you what, DeSantis is a great governor. I'm so fortunate that we live here on the Paradise Coast. So grateful that he's our governor, and so grateful we've had no lockdowns. I mean, he's just managed the entire situation. It's very well informed, and he knows what he's doing. And uh, I'm just grateful that he's 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 our governor. Just and just throw him a, a high five for doing that executive order against vaccine vaccination uh, IDs, the vaccine vaccination passports, passports exactly. Yeah. And and by the way, he started the ball rolling because now other governors are doing it too, which is awesome and even even um flip-flop Fauci said yesterday it's a politico i think it was that well that that's probably not a good idea to do vaccination passports what a jerk he should be in jail <laughs> <laughs> really it, what do you think just the irony of the entire situation is that Fauci is the highest paid government uh, government employee in the nation, even higher, more highly paid than the president of the United States. Right, and he can't keep his story straight for five minutes. He's just he's he's out there getting all this um, media time from all these outlets, and he's just just changes his story. Hey, all back the time. in back in March of uh, twenty twenty, basic Fauci said, "Well, we shouldn't wear masks; aren't going to do any good." And you know, uh, we, I, we've heard it from a couple of credible sources. Uh, wearing a mask is like building a chain link fence in order to keep mosquitoes out. Right, and oh, by the way, those those two quotes are from medical doctors. Yeah, Hello. yeah, that's right, that's right. You know, it, it'd be so nice to get to get somebody really knowledgeable um, to go in and debate Fauci, but he wouldn't do it. Just like AOC oh. would never debate Candace Owens because they know more. Than she knows. I, I, you know, in fact, I think I got this story from you, but it's a really important story about the fact that there are dissenting opinions about the masking up and the vaccines and uh, from thousands and thousands of credible sources and doctors and uh, none of it is being covered. It's being totally ignored by the mainstream media. So, I mean, it's, I'm not suggesting you shouldn't get a vaccine. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to take the vaccine, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging. I'm thinking everybody should get the information about it. Well, I think you're re referencing that article I sent you uh, from revolver.news yeah, that's which it. was mind blowing. Yeah. Mind -blowing. For our listeners, uh, go to uh, revolver.com and check no, it's revolver out revolver.news. Revolver.news. Check out revolver.news and find this column. It's it's a it's a long column, but and I was only able to cover a portion of it. But uh, it's about this this very point. I encourage you to read it. Linda, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll continue our conversation about tort reform. Andrew Joppa is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, author of several books, most of which I've read, and uh, just really well informed. I look forward to visit with Larry as well. Always appreciate hear hearing from you. Uh, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobhardenhotmail.com. By the way, I've got four tickets to Celebrating Kids and Country. This is put on by the Florida Citizens Alliance. It's happening on April the 17th. Uh, from 9 to 12 p.m., and uh, it's going to be a great program featuring some great speakers, including Rebecca Fredericks, the founder for Kids and Country, Alex Newman, CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media, uh, Dr. Duke Pesta, he's the director of Freedom Project Academy, and more. It's going to be a great program. I'm going to be there, and if you'd like a free ticket, or two free tickets, or three or four, I've got four free tickets. Send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobhardenhotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.